if nothing else, allowing the principal figures in these events to speak for themselves, ought to better enable listeners to make up their own minds as to how to interpret the making of the Constitution. Finally, this book advances a view of the founding that differs somewhat from those previously offered. Plainly, no single motive or explanatory variable can account for the making of the Constitution. However, experts will recognize that I have been especially drawn to the view, long advanced by others, that the Constitution was a conservative counter-revolution against what leading American statesmen regarded as the irresponsible economic measures enacted by a majority of state legislatures in the mid-1780s, which they diagnosed as a symptom of excessive democracy. Along that dimension, I hope to provide more complete answers than have previously been given to two questions raised by this interpretation of the founding. First, why were the delegates to the Philadelphia Convention inclined and able to write a constitution that was very different from the one most Americans expected and wanted them to write? Second, how were the Federalists able to convince the nation, in the course of a reasonably democratic, at least for that era, ratifying process, to approve a document that was severely constraining of popular influence on government, especially when contrasted with the state constitutions of the period? These were extraordinary accomplishments, whether or not one regards them as legitimate or desirable, and I hope to shed additional light on how the framers were able to bring them about. Michael Clarman, Sanibel Island, Florida, January 2016 Introduction As the Constitutional Convention came to a close on September 17, 1787, Benjamin Franklin offered two observations on its proceedings. First, he noted that, when you assemble a number of men to have the advantage of their joint wisdom, you inevitably assemble with those men all their prejudices, their passions, their errors of opinion, their local interests, and their selfish views. Second, Franklin thought that, in light of this inevitability, it was astonishing to find this system, the Constitution, approaching so near to perfection as it does. Over the course of the ensuing 225 years, Americans have tended to embrace the second part of Franklin's observation, the astonishing near perfection of the Constitution, and to neglect the first part, the inherent passions, prejudices, and errors of the framers. Americans came to revere the Constitution and the men who wrote it, often regarding them as divinely inspired. In 1928, the great civil liberties lawyer Lewis Marshall described the Constitution as our holy of holies, an instrument of sacred import. It has been the guiding principle of the freest government on earth. Let no unhallowed hand be laid upon it. This tendency toward worship of the Constitution and the framers began early. Just months after the Philadelphia Convention ended, James Madison observed that it is impossible for the man of pious reflection not to perceive in it, the Constitution, a finger of that almighty hand which has been so frequently and signally extended to our relief in the critical stages of the Revolution. Given the extraordinary diversity of opinions expressed at the Constitutional Convention 
and the difficulty of adjusting competing considerations in the Constitution, Madison told Thomas Jefferson that one could hardly consider the degree of concord which ultimately prevailed as less than a miracle. During the national debate over whether to ratify the Constitution, supporters, Federalists, regularly made similar observations. One Federalist opined that the unexpected harmony of the Federal Convention must be attributed to the special influence of heaven, while another noted that heaven smiled on their deliberations and inspired their counsels with a spirit of conciliation. Dr. Benjamin Rush, a leading Pennsylvania Federalist, told his state's ratifying convention that the hand of God was employed in this work, as that God had divided the Red Sea to give a passage to the children of Israel. After the requisite number of states had ratified,